It's Gavaldik. So today's daf, a good nerve Shabbos, today's daf is daf, page 86. And the Hilly Gummasach is Shubas, we're at the two dots, six lines down from the top of the Ahmad. Here we go. Gufa. We're going through the sugyas of a person who's owed money and uh, wants to be Michaelit or wants somebody else to collect it. We brought down various uh, incidents, various stories of uh, people that wanted to give gifts away before they died, and it wasn't so clear, it was a shtickle vague, who, who uh, they wanted it to be given to, or people deposited by others, and they didn't leave to their families exactly what's going on. We had all machlekas uh, between the families now, and the one who deposited it by them. All right, here we go. Gufa, a piece of a piece he quoted Gemara, a person who sells a document of of a loan to his friends. Here's what happened. Ruvain lends Shimon $1,000. Then he sells the loan document to Levi. And then Ruvain's Michaeli forgives the loan after selling the document to Levi. Because they're a machlai. And he goes back, he's Michael at Machel. It's, it's forgiven. I feel the Yerish Michael. Even the children of Ruvain could be Michael the dead. If the guy who purchased the loan is a, is a smart dude, if he's keen, he should give money to the borrower and have the borrower write another document in his own name. Because Basically what you want to do is instead of Levi owning the document, he wants to get a new document. What he should, Levi should do is get a new document taking the place of Reuven directly between him and Shimon. Now nobody else is going to have a right to uh, forgive the loan. Amar Amemar. Amemar says, A person who judges the law of Garmi. Now what's Garmi? So there's, there's halachas that if somebody's a grama, if somebody causes indirectly a loss to somebody else, they are putter bedine adam. They're not obligated down here in a bezdin. There's, there's another category called a garmi, which is more of where, where the person didn't do it directly, but you're also not a cause, uh, an outside cause. You're more of a direct cause of the damage. And we'll see soon exactly the difference in grama when you just cause something from the peripheral or a garmi, something that's more of a direct uh, damage. So Mandon Dina Garmi, the one who, who says that we bring in the, uh, the Dina de Garmi, the laws of direct damages to a Bezdin, that they can obligate a Garmi, a more direct cause of damage to two people. Magvi Bey Domishtara Ma'alya. So he'll... He will collect the value of the document from, from its, uh, call it its charge. Meaning, if Ruvain lends money to Shimon and then Ruvain wants to go and be Michaelin, so since he directly caused a loss to Levi, who purchased the document, um, Ruvain will now be obligated to pay Levi for direct damages to his lack of ability to collect the document. And the one who says that no, we don't, uh, we don't charge for direct cause of Garmi. So he should at least go and collect the value of the uh, the document, the the paper itself, the parchment itself. Uh, also, could be charged. Levi can charge Ruvain for. There was a story. The Kafye Rafram, the Ravashi, and Rafram uh, forced Ravashi, and he, uh, he collected from him considering it to be like a shura, like a beam of 
pictures. What does it mean, a, a, a beam for pictures? The same way, when, a, when somebody wants to buy a beam for a building, you're going to make sure it's not warped. You're going to make sure it's not bent, Rashi explains. And you're going to make sure it's absolutely uh, straight. So too, when you purchase a, a document, you want to make sure that you're not going to run into any issues down the road. That that which is being sold has no um, has no defects that can lead to any sort of uh, financial loss. If a person has a chiyuv, has an obligation to pay up his wife's ksuba, and he also has another loan to pay up, he's got money, he's got land to pay it off, both with a, uh, you know, both of them are now, I mean, certainly the land is going to be indebted towards the ksuba and the loan. So you should remove the loan by paying the cash. And the woman, you should, you should set, set aside the land to pay off the ksuba. And if you do it in this way, then Shalom al Yisrael, everybody is going to be taken care of. Why? Because when you borrowed money, you're paying back with money, which is, which is uh, you know, he, he gave you, you $1,000 cash, you're giving him back $1,000 cash. When a woman comes into marriage, she's not giving anything directly to her husband. What's she assuming she's going to be paid with in case there's a ksuba? She's going to be paid with land. So everybody's getting what ultimately they're happy with, which is a, which is, you know, a good message in general in life. If you have an opportunity to, you, can't, you can never make everybody happy, but if you have a chance to make as many people that can receive what they expected, that would be the proper way to go about it. Says the Gemara Viter. Let's say he only has one piece of land, and he has a choice, he has an option now. Now, we'll see if it's his option or Halacha's option, but he owes money to his wife with the ksuba. He owes money to somebody who lent him $1,000 and he only has one piece of land. So then who gets paid with it? It goes to the Bachayv. It goes to one who lent him money. It doesn't go to the woman. Why? My timer. What's the reason why the Bachayv gets paid up with the land before the ksuba? The site that we learned earlier in the Masechta, and that is, a woman has a greater want for marriage than a man. And therefore, we're not concerned that ultimately the woman is going to be... We're not concerned... Uh, Peva. We're not concerned that ultimately the, uh, a woman's going to say, you know what, if, you don't pay, if, if I'm not paid up before any lender that you have, I'm never going to get married. No, we're not concerned. Either way, she's going to want to get married. However, if, uh, somebody lends, if, if I were to lend somebody else $1,000, and I know... That if he only has one piece of land, it's going to go to his wife before it's going to go to me. So then the halacha, then people aren't going to lend money as fast. So since we want there to be a proper system, a proper process of loans and repayment and marriage, so we're going to make sure that within our societal needs, the payment is going to be taken care of for the loan before uh, the payment of the ksuba is is, uh, is paid off. Okay. Rav Papa says to Rav Chama, we're about, we are now about two-thirds of the way down in Pevav Amud Alev. Vadai da Amritsu Mishmeh Rava. Vadai, it is certain that Amritsu was said in the name of Rava Haiman Damaski Bezuze. If somebody owes money to somebody else, it's the irony as land to pay back. So Shimon borrows $1,000 from Ruvain, and Shimon doesn't have any money in the bank, but he's got money to pay back. He's, he's got the land that he can use to pay back. Okay. So the Baal the guy who lends $1,000, is now coming, and he says, you know, give me the land, pay me back. Go take the land. 
We can say to the borrower, Zil Zavin At Havle. We can say to the borrower like this. You listen, you're Mukhuyev to pay back a thousand dollars. Instead of instead of Shimon, you borrowed a thousand dollars from Ruvain. All you have is a thousand dollars of land. You know what we're gonna tell you to do, Shimon? Go sell the land and then take the cash and give it to him. Don't put the onus of selling the land on Ruvain. It's your onus. You got you gotta get it done. Okay? So Amarlay. Uh, he says to him, you should know, Rava never says such a thing. Rava holds, you can pay back the land, you don't need to sell it in order to get, get the cash. So, ask the, ask the Gemara, so what taka happened? You know, he's saying like this, when you hear a story, very often, it, didn't, it wasn't some made up random shtick that some guy just thought up in their sleep. He says, if I didn't hear the story right of Rava Paskening that the borrower has to sell the land, so what taka happened? Tell me, clarify the circumstances surrounding uh, the story that I heard. So Amar Lay. So he said back to him, Taila ma'isav ba'ived k'chavim have. Taila ma'isav, he hung his money ba'ived k'chavim on a non-Jew have. So what happened was like this, that Reuven lent money to Shimon. Okay, Shimon now owes $1,000. Shimon had money, except Shimon said, this money that's in my bank account or this cash that's in my hand is not really mine. It's not really mine. He's saying, you know, it belongs, it belongs to this uh, non-Jew. Now, why would he say that? You know why? Because he wants to hold on to his money. He wants to hold on. See, he's claiming. He says, I, I want to pay back. You're like, what do you mean, I have nothing to pay back? <laughs> Show me your wallet. You open up, well, there's, there's a thousand dollars. He's like, hello, you have a thousand dollars. He's like, no, it's not mine. It's not mine. So who also shalaika haigen? Since Shimon, the borrower, did shalaika haigen, he tried maching shtick. If he got chasa by shalaika haigen. Therefore, what happened in the situation of, uh, of Rava is they said, you know what? You tried pulling shtick over here saying, fine. You're not going to give that money to him? We'll tell you what to do. You have a thousand dollars on land, you go sell it, get the money and pay it back. But in general... If the, if the borrower is not out to, uh, to be pulling anybody's leg, we'll say you could talk a payback with land. Now that he mach shtick, we mach shtick back with him. And we say, sell your money, get the money, and pay back. So was he the star riot to show that he has a lien? Is that what he would need? Yes, there was a regular... The, Reuben had proof that he let money to Shimon. Just when it came time to pay up, Shimon is trying to get out of it by saying he doesn't have any cash. And, and we know there is cash there. We know there is. He's just hanging it on a guy. He's saying, oh, it's not mine. It belongs to this guy. Mm-hmm. So, whereas, so when, he was, when he was ultimately busted with that and proven to, uh, proven to be not telling the truth, so we, um, we said, go sell your land. We're going to put the onus on you to sell the land and get the cash instead of putting that achrayas on the lender. According to you, who says that to pay off a loan is a mitzvah. Now, what do you mean paying off a loan is a mitzvah? Of course, paying off a loan is a, is a mitzvah. Over here we're saying is that not only do you have to pay back, but there's a separate, um, there's a separate mitzvah to follow through on your, on the, for the borrower to follow through on his responsibility to pay off. Okay? So there's your achrayas to give back the money, and then there's the mitzvah side of it. The mitzvah side of it is saying that the borrower has his chiyuv, he has a responsibility to pay it. Why? Because the Torah says, don't be a liar. Don't be a liar. Okay. 
That's your credit score, basically. Huh? That's your credit score. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Good. So, Omar, if the borrower says, What if he says, I don't want to do the mitzvah? Now, what do you mean, don't want to do the mitzvah? The question here is that um, if you hold that the whole chiv to repay is not like your, your land is mortgaged to a loan, rather, it's like your credit score, something that you just need to do to, to keep up your name and keep up your ability to pay back. So what taka do we do if, somebody, if, if you're going to say the land is not indebted biblically and this is just something that needs to be done? So what's our way about it? To, if a person says, I'm not going to be paying back. I don't plan on paying back. Can we still say, it doesn't matter, your land is still mortgaged. So Amar Leh, he says to him, Tanini, we learned in a Mishnah. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. This is talking about the halachas of makis. When you receive Malchus for not performing a mitzvah, we know that Allah is, if a person refrains from performing a mitzvah, the example the Gemara gives is, I'm saying that uh, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah, or I'm saying I don't want to fulfill the mitzvah of lulav, very appropriate, it's always nice to have dafyami, and we're well within that. So, the, uh, the Allah is, you don't give him makis. When do you give him makis? When he transgresses, Allah say, and which in this case, that's what we do. So even if your land's not mama's going to be indebted, what's going to happen is you're going to be mechoyev malchus for, uh, for not paying back. Very good. Two dots, top line, pevav amad base. Rami asked a shayla, searching for information from Rav Chistam. What happens if a person says, Behold, this is your get. But we're not divorced yet. So a husband gives a divorce to his wife, and he says, this is only valid in 30 days. And you know she does? She goes and she takes the get, and she puts it on the side of a Rosh Hashanah. Now here's the issue. In order for a divorce, for a get to be valid, it has to be in her hand or her domain. Over here, what she did was, she brought it to the side of her Rosh Hashanah and left it there. So when 30 days were up, when he wanted it to be effective, it wasn't in her yad. She didn't have any sort of control. What is the halacha in such a circumstance? Okay, Gavaldik. Says the Gemara. Amar He says back to him, Both Rab and Shmuel will agree she's not divorced. How do you know that? The Rav Shmuel, Daimon Tabayu, Rav and Shmuel both hold that the only this is going back to our case um, of in, in Ksubis, the case of our Mishnah, which was when a person passed away and he left behind detached fruit from his nichsei malug. He passed away. He left behind detached fruit in his nichsei malug, and it was in a Rishus Harabim. So who's going to receive the fruit? Does it go to the inheritors first? Or does it go to the Ksuba first? Does it go to any Balchayv? Does it go to any Balchayv? So here's the deal. If it was in his domain as soon as he died, so then the inheritors get it first. And anybody else who wants it, they're going to have to, he might see it. They're going to have to remove it from the inheritors. However, if it was in a Rishus Harabim Mamish, if it was in a Rishus Harabim, then the, the Yarshim are not going to get first dibs on it. And Ravish will both hold the side of Rosh Hashanah is considered Rosh So what would you say in that case? 
it's hefker. And by the case of the get, if it's on the side of Shusha Rabba in 30 days, is she divorced? No. no. Gavaldic. It's not in her hand. So again, so we had a... Huh? I don't understand. You keep putting it in her hands at some point. So she had possession of it. She had possession of it on Reish Chaydash Nisan. And he says, on Reish Chaydash Iyar, we're divorced. So before Reish Chaydash Iyar, she puts it on the side of Rosh Hashanah And now at the time that divorce is supposed to be effective, it's not in her hand. So is she divorced? Because at the time of divorce, she didn't have it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That's right. It's effective date. They're very good. That's a more clear way of stating that. Sorry about that. So the Gemara says that Lamaisa, she's not going to be divorced. Right? See, this is around Lamaisa, she's not going to be divorced. Says the Gemara, one second. Just the opposite. She should be divorced anyway because of the Allah of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman says in the name of Rabbi Baravua, if somebody says to his friend, pull this cow, but it's not going to become yours until 30 days. So Reuven's selling a cow to Shimon. He says, Shimon, I'm selling you the cow. However, I still need it for the next little bit. So here's what we're going to do. You need to make an acquisition. And Shimon says, I'm not going to be in town in 30 days. I won't be around. I'm going to be in Eretz Yisrael. Fine? So we're fine. Do a Mashiach now. Make an act of, uh, make an act of acquisition. And then, but with the stipulation, in 30 days is when it's actually going to become valid. What's the halacha? By the get, there was no kinyan. What's the halacha? She is. She took it in her hand. But she placed it somewhere else. Yeah, but it wasn't effective. Doesn't it? We're trying with Freya. We're trying to make something work retroactively. I mean, that's... uh, Well, we'll see. I mean, we're we're not trying to make the acquisition work retroactively. We're trying to make... the get work. We're trying to make the get work in 30 days for an act that was done retroactively. Right. Right. Same as over here. So, the is after 30 days, the cow becomes Shimon's, even if it's in a Agam, even if it's in a public swamp. So, you see that if somebody makes an, uh, a Kenyan, it's considered his, even in an Agam. Later, my love, I know Agam, I know Why is a swamp any different than inside of Rosh Hashanah? Says the Gemara, because it is. <laughs> it's no question. Like, Agam Lechod, with Lechod. Two separate, two separate things. Yeah? If it's in a swamp, that's more of an ownership. It's more of an area just because other people could go there. But okay, it's for the to get to it and take it out. Okay, right. Swamp. So maybe there's tircha over the Misa. We're still going to say that if it's in the swamp, we can go back to the original act, and hence Shimon did acquire it. However, see, there's just is too much like her Shusarabim. Hence, her get is not going to be valid. Givaldi. Okay. One more approach to this before we get to the Mishnah. Ikadamri, there are those who say that the conversation happened a little differently. What happened was, Amar Leib Migurashas Midr of Nachman, that um, he replied, see, b- before we said, we had a Shiloh. What happens? Somebody gives a get to his wife and he says, we're divorced in 30 days and she puts it inside of Rosh Hashanah. What's the halacha? So the, we tried saying, Rabbi and Shmuel both say, you're not divorced. It's like Rosh Hashanah, to which we disproved that. Now the Ikadamri is going to say, that the response was, Omar lay migureshes midr of Nachman. That she should be divorced because of Rav Nachman's halacha by the case of the cow. Isn't one a case of, of, of Mammon and the other a case of Isser? Yeah, but e- either way, that's true. That's true. Rabbi Yud is asking that very often you can't compare Dine Mumnus to Dine uh, Isser. The, however, over here we're not comparing mumness to Isser. Over here we're, we're, we're in both situations, 
we're dealing with an act of Kenyan and how that works. So if we'd be comparing the halacha of Isser, Mam's halacha of Mammon, so then you would not be able to over here. We're just working on how Kenyan, the dynamics of Kenyan. Very good. Um, so, you're divorced because of Rav Nachman's reasoning of the swamp. It is an acquisition, so she still has it. And the side of her is like a swamp, to which we were to say the other way. My love. Beautiful. Okay. So, either way, we don't have a proof. We don't have a proof um, whether or not. The um, in, in a case where somebody gives a get to his wife and says we're married after thirty days, she puts aside she says, oh, we don't have a proof whether or not she's divorced. Okay. Here we go. Next Mishnah. We have a, a couple Mishnayas now. Hamaishiv es ishtai chenvenis. What happens if a husband hires his wife as his chenvenis? To run the makolat. She's going to run the store. Ay, shemina apitropia, or she becomes the apitropis. Apitropis is an overseer of an estate. The most common time you find the word of, of uh, apitropis is going to be if somebody passes away and he leaves behind ketanim, he leaves behind uh, young children, and there's nobody to take oversee the estate. Trustee. A trustee, thank you. A trustee over the estate. So he, he appoints his wife to be the, the trustee. Hareze Mashbia calls man Shegirtse. Whenever he wants, he can obligate her to make a shvua, to take an oath, to take an oath. Okay. Now, in general, you can't do this to your employee. In general, you're not allowed to walk over to your employee or somebody who works for you and say, I want you to swear that you didn't steal money. No, no, no. You need to have some sort of proof or some some sort of reason for a bezdin to uh, to uh, appoint a, uh, to enact an oath. Okay, over here we're dealing with a wife, what right? If didn't appoint her as a trustee, and he wanted to. What, what would be the case over there? And and you still wanted her. You know, he would suspect her to, of, of stealing from him. So does it, what does he do in, that, in such a case? You'd have to do it like anybody else. You'd have to come to Bezdin and uh, either an Eid Echad would be Mechoyi Veshua, Maid Demamiksas would be Mechoyi Veshua. But it'd be dependent on this. Now why? We'll see in the Gemara. We'll see in the Gemara what's unique about this situation. It has a lot to do with Ksuba. With the Ksuba that a husband's obligated to a wife. So Maish Veshechemenis, Oishemina Pechopa, Reza Mashbiyah calls Manchirach. Lezer, Emre, Lezer says, Afilu al Pilcha, Afilu al Isasa. Okay. You know what this means? Now remember, earlier in the Masechta, we learned there are certain responsibilities, financial responsibilities, that a wife has to a household. So Rabbi Leizer says, he, he could even ask her to have her swear on her following through, on weaving for the household, and also uh, on, on uh, the dough, on the baking the bread for the household, that she's, she's uh, doing whatever the family needs on, on that behalf. On, on their behalf. Now let's get into this. Let's clarify our Mishnah. Rabbi Liazer, Al Yedei Gilgul Ka'amar, Aylechatchila Ka'amar. This is a beautiful Shaila, and this leads, leads us on to uh, another idea in the laws of Shvua, in Hilchus Shvua. And that is as follows Gilgul, something called Gilgul Shvua. Gilgul Shvua is a, call it a rollover swearing, a rollover oath. Now, what's a rollover oath? 
in order to obligate somebody in an oath, you need to come with a real reason. Again, there's a Eid there's, there's a single witness, there's a Maidim Emiktas, whatever it is. Once they're up there taking an oath, there's something called a Gilgul Shvua, where you could add it to the tab. You could say, hey, by the way, there's something else that I'm concerned about that I wouldn't have been able to prove, I wouldn't have been able to obligate this initially, but once you stand there with your Sefer in a Bezdin or whatever it is, we're going to do, do Gilgul Shvua. It's a pile on. Right. Okay. So the Shaila is, when we say in our Mishnah, that a husband can obligate his wife about these things at any time, doesn't mean once she's taking an oath, now you can say, hey, by the way, I just want to make sure, you know, can you clarify that too? Or is this like, no, he could like take her any time and take the Bezdin. Tashmar, come and listen. You cannot do that. You know what? Nobody can live with a snake inside of a box. Meaning, if a husband were to take a wife at any time he wants to a Bezdin, Guess what? You're destroying their shalom bias. Destroying the shalom bias. Okay? You can't do that. You can't do that. She would never think about it. You can't. Even a husband and wife. Imagine if every time um, somebody dropped a bottle of milk on the floor, it was a $5 thing and people go mashuga about a five. Things break inside of the house. You can't. You, you, you can't be busy with, you, you can't tell one spouse, oh, whenever you're so pleased and you want to make sure your spouse didn't cause any sort of, uh, any sort of financial, you can't do that. If you can't live with it, you got, you got it. There has to be shalom bias. For there to be shalom bias, there needs to be goodwill. For there to be goodwill, nobody could be thinking at any time that they're walking on eggshells. What's going to happen? Hey, take me to best. No. Bottom line is, once the Gemara is answering, it could only be a Gogol Shua. Fine. If you're there for something else, we'll add it. That's not like a terrible, terrible thing. But to do it initially? No. Okay. Makes sense if you hold that he could make her swear Lechatechila as a shapir. Yeah? This, uh, this, this all makes sense. Why a person can't live with a, with a snake in a basket. Why not? Because you can take her any time. What if you're going to say that the only time she can swear. The only time she uh, takes an oath about what ha- takes place in the household is through Gilgal. My Lamina. Big deal. Big deal. Really She's not going to care so much. Yeah, it is what it is. It's like no one's going to be bothered in, in such a way. So the Gemara, is, the Gemara is basically answering that the dispute is whether or not... The dispute about whether or not I can make her swear has to do with whether you can live with a snake. Inside of a basket, right? Mm-hmm. Gemara is saying, well, you could only have that svara if it's lechatchila, you could make her swear about anything else. But if lechatchila, you cannot do that, we wouldn't be concerned about the svara. So since the svara is here, it must be we're dealing with specifically a lechatchila, take a case. So the Gemara says, no, the Amrale, maybe she'll say to her husband, kivan de kadaikit basroi, since you're checking. Since you're checking Basroi after me, Kulihai, so much, I can no longer live with you. Okay, I can no longer live with you. Says Rashi, why can I no longer live with you? This is a fascinating Rashi, and we got we, we to look at this inside. If you look at Rashi, Dibra Maskil, Hayo, the Kodaikt Basroi, since you check after me so much. 
It's a little less than halfway down. Enoch Oyhev, you do not love Umaimin Oisi, or trust me, Veloy Matsina, and I do not find Leidor Bahadach to live with you. Okay? Meaning, you know what she's saying? You want to know everything I do in the house and make sure that I'm following through and I'm weaving and uh, well, guess what? That means our relationship is not, a, is not built on love. That means it's a relationship that's not built on trust and I'm still not interested. The Gemara is answering, even as a Gilgul Shvua, women do mind and it's going to impact Shalom Bias. Even as a Gilgul Shvua. And that's why, and that's why uh, Rebbe Liezer is arguing. The Gemara is what's happening. The Gemara said, oh, Raya, it, uh, we, we have a proof that it's that it's you can't do it. Initially, but a Gilgul Shvua, you should be... Says Gemara, no, no, no. Even Mitzah Gilgul Shvua, a woman saying, I got to be able to live. I got to be able to live. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. Okay. So we still don't have an answer. Back to our, back to our Shaila. Again, it's a Shaila. It's a curiosity question. And that is, when we say... Um, that, a, that a husband could, could abrogate his wife in a shua, is it standard shua, lechatchila, or gilgul? Toshma, come and listen. If a woman didn't, if a, if a husband did not potter up his wife from making uh, nedarim and shua, this is going to be the next Mishnah that we're about to get to. And he, uh, he sat her, meaning he hired her, as her as his chenvenis, she oversaw the store. Aishamina apatropia, or she became uh, she oversaw the estate. She became the trustee. Hareze mashpia calls manchiyertze. So he can uh, he can obligate her to take an oath whenever he wants. But obligate her wherever he wants. Says the Gemara. La yeshiva chenvenis. What happens if he didn't ask her to oversee the store? The la imina apatropia. He didn't make her the trustee. Any achalashbiya cannot obligate her to take an oath. Rabbi Lazar Mlev says, "Ava bishla yeshiva chenvenis." Even if he didn't set her up as a storekeeper of la imina apatropia or the trustee, hareiz emash biyakos manchiyertze. You still could have her take an oath. She in the chayisha shlei nasis apatropia shalachas b'chayibala. There's not a single time in a marriage. It's impossible. To ever have a time where a woman doesn't become the trustee for at least a short amount of time in her husband's lifetime. Nobody can do everything. Nobody can do everything. And if you do, it's not, it's, not, it's not normal. At some point in a relationship, a wife has overseen something. Al-Pilcha Val-Issa, certainly over her... her uh, Pilcha, her weaving, and are her dough. Amrullah, they said to him, A person cannot live with a snake inside of a, of a basket. We see from here that, that um, the, the, the ability, the ability um, for a husband to, to uh, make his wife take a shvua is even lechatchila, and this brisa taka would be a proof. Okay. Here we go. One more Mishnah. This is going to take us all the way down to the bottom of the Amud. Kosavla, if a husband writes to his wife, Neder Ushvua I cannot impose a Neder or a Shvua on you. So in the last Mishnah, we said a husband has a right to do it. What if a husband and wife come to an agreement that he won't do it? So, he can't place any oath on her. All right, 
He could place an oath on any of her inheritors or anybody who takes her place. Anybody else who takes her place. Which he would normally require Araya to be able to do? Yeah. Oh, well, it, it, it could still be with Araya. It, right. I mean, it could no, still be for a reason. Would, but if there's, if, in other words, he doesn't have to have a justification. He could just go ahead and place a Shavua on the inheritors because... He had that right initially as far as the woman was concerned. Yeah. But he forewent that right as a result of his... A uh, willingness to, to, of, to absolve his wife. Right. That's right. So, so let's say a wife wants to collect a ksuba. She didn't have to take an oath. He absolved her. But what if, she, but what if they're divorced and the wife dies... And, and, and then there's the inheritors, so then he could, he could uh, place well, an oath on them. what if the wife's still living? Can he still go to the Yorshim and do it? In other words, he still has the rights. No, well, either to, way, it's going to go to her. But she, he's restricted from doing it with her. Because he, he correct. Let's say room. let's say they would take an oath. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They're not collecting. It has to go through her. If she's alive, it doesn't matter. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Doesn't make enough communion. Yeah. All right. Let's say he writes, I have nothing on you for Nedr Then you can't take an oath. But if he dies, so he said, I'm not going to demand an oath. Let's say he dies, so his inheritors never promised that, so they could demand the Shvua. That's your Shvua, and on anybody. Okay. Nedr Shvua, what if he says, I don't have a. I'm not going to obligate a shua. And I don't allow my children to obligate a shua. Or anybody taking the place of the estate. That way he covered his bases. Okay. Now, what happens is, his wife, the widow, goes from the grave, the husband's grave, from the Leviah, straight back to her father's house. Now, what, what we saw earlier in the Masechta, that what's unique about this is when she does that, she's showing that she's completely separating herself from all financial affairs of the husband's estate. She's leaving it to his inheritance. Or she went back to the house, to her father-in-law's house, meaning the house of her husband. But she didn't oversee the whole estate. All right? Let's say his children did, or somebody else, a trustee. So now, on anything that happens in the future, on the initial ksuba they can't, but anything that happens later, the Yarshim can demand a shvua from her. It only allows... Uh, her to not take an oath on anything that came directly from the husband's property. But now that the the children or the family inherits his property, this is going to be considered a new thing. And if they find the need to obligate her in a shvua, they could put a shvua on her. However, they cannot take, make her take an oath retro, on something that happened before. So let's say it's 10 years later and they want to place an oath uh, they want to make her take a shvua about something that happened prior, immediately upon death or during her husband's lifetime, they're not going to be allowed to do it. They can only uh, uh, impose an oath on her 
on something that's going to happen when the finances were, were already under their domain. Says the Gemara, we'll just start the Gemara to finish off the daf. Shvua maya vidite. Uh, what, what, what's a shvua doing here? What is, why is a husband saying to a wife, you're not going to have a shvua? A husband saying to a wife, I'm going to uh, absolve you from any uh, oath that took place, any oath on, I'm absolving you from an oath on anything that took place during my lifetime. So if you ever oversaw my store, you ever had any, any time you were a trustee over the estate, myself, nobody can obligate her in an oath. He's absolving all that. Again, once he dies, and then the inheritors take over, from the time that they're in charge, they can place an oath. We'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody. We will pick up with Dafyemi at 8.30. Uh, Gitten Shabbos.